This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, a Bloomberg LP board member, a senior advisor to the Promontory Financial Group, and a policy advisor to Goldman Sachs. In 1965, Jack Mitchell joined the family business called Ed Mitchell, founded by his parents, Ed and Norma, that later became Mitchells of Westport, Connecticut. Today, Jack is the chairman of eight highly successful family-owned clothing stores in Westport, Greenwich, Connecticut, Long Island, New York, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, and Palo Alto, California. Under his leadership, the Mitchell stores have become well-known for employee engagement and longevity and providing exceptional customer service. In 2009, Jack and his brother Bill were given the first-ever Menswear Retailing Hall of Fame Award. He's written three books, Hug Your Customer, Hug Your People, and his most recent book, Selling the Hug Your Customer's Way that describes his personal approach to customer service that involves a simple five-stage process that he says anyone can master. He joins me now for a closer look. I should mention the fact that I am a customer of Mitchell Stores in Westport, Connecticut, and I'm a personal friend of Jack's. Jack, you start the new book mentioning the ultimate fraudulent salesman. Harold Hill of The Music Man. But I also think of a play that is considered the American classic, Death of a Salesman. Do you feel that you spent much of your career trying to rehabilitate the image of sales and the people who sell? You know, Arthur, um, I don't really feel I've done that in terms of a conscious way. Um, I'm obviously a very positive and and, um, passionate seller, or a person actually, and so I've always felt that that selling is is valuable and selling is really everything in life. So I suppose I have, you know, in my actions tried to rehabilitate because so many people regard selling as something that's either too much or too little and so forth and so on. So, but I haven't. I, that's not been the focus of my life. My life has been, as you know, will know, has been focusing in on customers and and friends and making people feel great when they're working within our family business or when they're shopping with us. First step in your process is making the connection. You tell the story about the man who only liked blue suits. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, this was really my first major sale when I started working with my mom and dad back in in the late 60s. This gentleman came in, and he was a very senior person with General Electric. I'm sure you even know him, and and I won't mention his name, but he he, he only wore blue suits. And my dad tipped me off as he came in. He said, "You can you you see if you can help this wonderful gentleman. He's a friend of ours." And and I sold him very quickly. He wanted two suits, and I sold him a very quick blue suit, basic navy blue suit. Sold him a blue pinstripe suit, which are two parts of the blue uniform in corporate America in those days. And then as I was getting to know him and I got to, he began to respect me and he realized I was a Mitchell just starting out. He said, what else might you suggest? And I said, you know, let me show you something that I have on. I had on a, like a, a, um, a, uh, a more 
you know, um, I had a three-piece suit on, and it was in Harris tweed suit, sort of a tweedy-looking suit, and it actually was in a, a, a more sort of an olive-y, olive-y blue. Anyway, I said, why don't you just try it on? So he, he said, oh, okay, I'll try, thinking he would, wouldn't even do that, but he took his jacket off, and I put this other jacket on. And he said, you know, this this is really interesting. I, 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 I said, it sounds like you like it. And he turned to his wife, who, of course, he was always needed her approval. And she said, you know, I love it. And he said, you know, Jack, it reminds me of when I was a, you know, a young kid in, in, the, UK, in the UK. This was what we wore when I went to uh, boarding school. And I said, well, then maybe you can wear it sometimes when you want a little informal look. And he said, okay, great. I'll take it. And all of a sudden, I realized that selling was really fun. And I realized that, that I could make suggestions that what he wanted, I tried to, it took a long time, but longer than we have now, but I, but it was my first really important sale. And then of course I put down furnishing shirts, ties, and all the rest shoes and so forth that matched the entire, once he got in the buying mood, even with me as a young seller, he enjoyed it. And from then on, it cemented our relationship that lasted many, many years after. You don't prejudge customers by looks, but you do write about tells that you teach your salespeople to look for. What are the tells? Right. Well, the, the tells can be nonverbal, obviously. I mean, when you're when you're greeting customers and connecting with customers, you you don't necessarily look on what they're wearing. That's a that's a misnomer, but you you do look and see. You know, um, listening is most important. Um, watching and listening. Do you know? Do you you get their the tells or their names? You, we try to introduce ourselves. I'm Jack Mitchell. You say I'm Arthur Levitt, and so forth. And you begin to get their names. Is it is it John or Jack? You you can you can see. That are they wearing a um, a wedding ring? That obviously they're married. Maybe there's some something that they could buy for their wife or their spouse. And you begin to listen about all those particular things. And then you listen, of course, and you watch their nonverbal. Their do they frown? Do they smile? I mean, you and I always kid. We know about our smiles. When you're smiling, it's fine. All of a sudden, you're looking at your watch. It says to me that you're in a hurry. You have a golf date or something, and you have to hurry out of the store. So there are things like that that you can pick up non-verbally. And then, of course, you, can, you put, when you start looking, you start people start asking questions, and and that's the most important part. You begin to listening is the most important skill, I believe, in selling. And you listen not only with your ears, but you listen with your eyes. And those tells pop up all the time. Jack, you write about Ginger Kermian, a great woman's clothing seller at Richards, and what she calls her gingerisms. What are they, and why did you include her in the book, and what makes her such a great salesperson? Well, I put the gingerisms in the book with the concept, Arthur, that that everyone sells differently, but she sells with her gingerisms, and you know Frank might have Frankisms, and 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 Jay may have Jayisms, but but Ginger has one a couple of them that she always she she obviously um, if she she if she's wearing red or red for her is is a is a color that she believes is getting your own way a power kind of a color. And so when she has a difficult customer that she knows is coming in by appointment and she wants to make sure that that customer gets her advice and counsel and she they, she, he, she knows her well, she'll put on red. Vice versa, when if this person is moving into a more senior position and needs needs of like a power dress or a power outfit, she likes to put red on them. She 
she may not say that to the customers, but that's what she does. Another fun gingerism is, you know, people say, well, I don't really need this. Well, Ginger says, look, we never speak of need because you don't, you may not need it, but do you like it? Is it something that you would like to have in your wardrobe? So I, I put this in the book because everyone everyone sells differently but as we begin to talk here you know I do have this whole process of selling this is there are different processes from the beginning you know meeting and greeting the customers and and connecting and through the so this that's everyone sells differently but ginger sells this way and she's a fabulous seller you tried to see if you could devise a test to predict if a potential employee would be an outstanding seller did that work you know, we tried that with Xenia years ago. We did a lot of experimentation, and we could not come up with a, a grid that said that you have to have this type of a personality or that type of personality. I know one of the things you and I have talked about is this idea of being an introvert. You think an introverted thinker, not an introvert, but an introverted thinker, might not be a great salesperson because you obviously have to talk in the selling process. But... I we I have found over my career in in um, working in almost 60 years in our family business that that sometimes the introverted thinkers like my wife and candidly even like yourself to a degree you, it's not that you're an introvert but you you get you are listening and then when you come up with something you you then say what you feel and that is respect and honesty with the particular customers so I think that so many times. People get neglected and don't are not hired because they're not talkers. And talking sometimes can get you in trouble. And it's not the way. That's the old seller. You know, that's right here in River City. May I have your attention, please? Attention, please. I can deal with the troubled friends with a wave of my hand, this very hand. Please observe me if you will. I'm Professor Harold Hill, and I'm here to organize the River City Boys Band. <laughs> Oh, think, my friends, how can any pool table ever hold The ultimate fraudulent salesman, Harold Hill of The Music Man. If the first rule of selling is you have to be there, how does that work on the Internet? What's your digital hug? Our digital hug is trying very hard to personalize relationships if you go online, and I hope everyone that's listening would go on Mitchells.com and take a look at it, because what we're trying to do there is to allow the customer, if, 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 if the customer or the person going online is a customer, then it would immediately, if you gave it permission, it would put your sales associate, would pop up, a would, picture would pop up visually as to the person that you normally deal with. And if you, if you purchase something or have an inquiry about something, that particular person would get instantly get an email saying that you're interested in whatever whatever you have clicked. So there's ways in which we're trying very hard to to keep the personalization of the relationships that we have. Now, if you're someone that has never shopped with us, then then we we we, we try to send you nice emails and we try to get your phone number so that we can follow up and we can we can service you well that way so that we can b go back and forth in terms of the visual side and the online thing, method of buying, obviously, which is what we have. But we're still fundamentally a bricks-and-mortar channel of distribution. That's really where our business remains, even, even in this day and age where so many people are going online. You're right. Never ever say, may I help you or can I help you? 
which you hear at every department store you ever set foot in. Uh, why do you tell your salespeople not to say that? Because if, if, you, if you're greeting somebody and say, may I help you, nine times out of ten, they'll say, no, just looking. They're just so, that's just the response because you need to give the, the, the uh, customer an opportunity to feel comfortable within your environment. It's like if you... So what do you say your, then? You say, good morning. Or you say, you know, how are you, how are you feeling today? Or, or are you looking for a, a tie if you're having to see the person in the tie department or a dress department? Oh, you're looking for a dress. You get something going as if you were, you were talking to a friend, somebody that was coming into your home. If you came into a home, you wouldn't say, may I help you? You'd say, welcome to my home or welcome. That, that's what we want them to have. Or you just say hello. I like to say a hello rather than sometimes hi. And then they'll say, well, how, how, how are you doing today? And I always say, I feel great because nine times out of ten, I feel great. And that they puts them in a positive position. Jack, could you mention the fact that all the first-time customers, you get a 30% return rate? And how right. does that compare to other businesses such as yours? I think it compares um, very well, if not better than most. I, it's, a, it's a number that that the data is very – most companies and most businesses like ours, they don't keep data on – like we do. I mean, data is one of our fundamental values in our family business, why we have been successful. We use data. Customers are the center of the universe. We build relationships. So we use data to enhance all of that. So when we measure a customer coming back, um, I believe 30% is, is, a, is a reasonably high number. It sounds low, but it is definitely um, somebody coming back and becoming a good customer and a friend is, uh, is um, something that we cherish. So um, I don't have comparable data on that, Arthur, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a reasonably good number. What percentage of your business is online? It's only about 3 or 4% right now. So it's, it's only a small part, but it's growing like, you know, 50, 60% every year or every month. But it's, it's what's a growing part of our business. We obviously are not getting that growth at that kind of a percentage. But we're getting, we are getting growth in, our, in, our, in all of our stores. Uh, you know, we have eight stores throughout the country, and so we're, but it's a small percentage. We still want that experience. Every single time a customer comes in our store, we want them to have fun and enjoy it and have that shopping experience that, that they, they leave smiling as they walk as we walk the customer to the door or even to their car. We want them to be, feel happy. That's, what, that's really what our business remains, and I'm optimistic that it will remain that way. The new catchword in retail is the customer experience. The young people right. won't go into a store unless it's Instagram-worthy or it has an entertainment factor. In your judgment, is this a fad or the future of retail? And do you feel the pressure to provide an experience beyond the personal service where you excel? Well, I, I think the personal service is an experience. And if you have a different experience or a consistently high-valued experience every time you come in, well, again, whether it's a cup of coffee or whether it's getting somebody an extra, extra, uh, let's say, tickets to the to the um, Yankee game or the Mets game or or um, going to a show that you can't get into or because we know everybody in the community, we can get you into a, to a um, to restaurant or if uh, all of a sudden you get ill and we know the people, whether it be 
you know, what hospital you need to go to or a special doctor. We, we've lived in these communities here, and as we've acquired these stores, San Francisco, Palo Alto, we know the people in the community because we're very – one of the big secrets – it isn't a secret to you, but we're part of the community. We live in these communities, and we give back to the communities. We have many, many charitable events in our stores, and we give back to the community that way because we're part of the community. And, and so people know us for all of that. And that's an experience when you come to one of our near and far benefits, or maybe, you know, we raise a million, $2 million in some of these, these, these um, charity events that we do within the stores. And the people become, they know, they know where we are. They know, they know how to get to us. They know where to park. They know where the men's room is. They know, they know not only their sales associate, but they know my brother or myself, or there are nine Mitchells in our family business. And when we, we try to be personal and that's the experience you don't get that in in many stores or many restaurants you just don't it it just doesn't happen and that's what how we've been able to grow one customer at a time putting the customers as the center of the universe yeah you've obviously studied businesses far and wide you mentioned them in your books tell me about a business that you see that you'd love to turn around well, there's, there are there are many things, businesses that I think could use the hugging culture. By the way, before I forget, Arthur, you know and I know that hugging is a metaphor. I want to make sure everyone understands that, especially in this day and age with what's all going on. So hug is any actor deed that says, wow, these folks really care about me as a real person. Um, but I think, you know, let's say bookstores. I mean, we're talking about my books, and I appreciate that a lot. I mean, you can buy my book on Amazon, sure, but where were the great bookstores gone? Where's Barnes & Noble? Where's what happened to Borders? I mean, you, you, these stores could, I believe, if they really treated their customers as their friends, if they really um, they really knew that I have, you know, seven grandchildren, I would love to give them the new books every year and for their birthdays, for their for their for Christmas and so forth. I used to do that with a bookstore, but the bookstore went out of business. So I don't have anybody recommending books, but all my adult grandchildren, they have different interests. One has diving, so I don't know what the best book on diving is, but this bookstore would know that. A good bookstore would Anyway, those are the kinds of things I think I could. And the using data, this, some of the bookstores don't you, Let me look at Amazon. That's one of their real strengths is using data to personalize the business. That's what We use data to personalize, not only to measure things. Jack, so... The sale is closed. What's the kiss goodbye you write about and the permission to reconnect? The kiss goodbye is to make when the customer is finished and deciding what he or she wants to buy, and you bring them to the customer service desk to have the sale being recorded, we want to make sure that that, lasting, that last impression, as well as the first impression that happened when, they, when we first met, is a positive one, and that 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 hopefully tees up the idea of them coming back to see you. So you want to stay with that customer. You want to you want to ask some questions about them. You 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 want to make sure that you have their phone number in case there's anything that we need to to know about them or that something happens to the garment or we, we get a, let's say we want we want to kiss them goodbye with 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 giving. They say they want the alterations done in a week, but we can probably get it done in two or three days, and then we can call them with an extra one for good measure as well as a kissing and the goodbye. So we want to make that last impression so valuable, so positive, as if you were you were beginning to build a relationship as a friend. And then, if in our stores, and some of them, as the one in Westport, 
um, where I happen to be now, you can walk them right to the door. And sometimes if it's a nice day, you can even walk them right to their car. And if they bought something, bags, let's say it's holiday season, it's Hanukkah or Christmas, you can take their bags and take them. How many stores do you know these days that take and open the trunk and put them in there? Those are the kind of things we like to do. And those are the things that we try to do to make that experience a positive, lasting one, as if it were part of our family. Tell me of any experience where the hugging didn't pay off. Once in a long while, it doesn't pay off. And when it doesn't pay off, and you make it's generally because you've made a mistake. You have to apologize, and you have to find out why the person was unhappy with what the services that you're providing. And and then you have to listen. Maybe maybe you were the person was too too aggressive with something, but showed them something that they didn't feel was apropos. Maybe maybe the alteration wasn't quite correct. Maybe maybe somebody overpromised a delivery on something and couldn't couldn't be done. So you have to apologize very much, and then you have to do something about it. You have to you have to correct the, the mistake. You have to be candid about it and, and, and try to hug them even more in terms of those extra little things that can be done when, when, you, when people do make mistakes. You have to be candid and honest and authentic in every experience. And there, there are very, very few people that don't understand that, especially if you can. And then if you need to have one of the owners come over, generally speaking, there's always an owner, Mitchell, around or a manager that can help out as we're very much part of a team. So we're all working together to service the customer and make the customer feel great. And if they're not feeling great, then we have to try to make that happen. Write them a nice note later. If you learn later, we, we don't try to write notes with a real ink pen, with a real ink, not only an email. We try to find out, by the way, how they like to communicate, whether they like texting or emailing or, or notes. But, but a nice personal note with a real ink pen saying you're sorry and you apologize that the hug, that the, the, the experience wasn't up to your satisfaction is what, what we try to do. But very, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, that's what we try to do with, and try to train and educate our associates to be that way. Does your system of hugging customers only work with higher-end merchandise and customers who pay full retail and expect a high level of personal service? I think I think it works better probably in high-end businesses, but I think anyone that that wants any business that wants to really adopt the hugging culture, it's a mindset and can be done. I mean, you asked earlier about businesses that you'd like to try to see if you could help or turn around. I mean, I would love to to try to try to turn around a large large store in terms of there are things you can do like smiling can, and and be happy, and but you have to have, of course. You have to hug your, your people, hug your associates, and then they hug the customers. So if that happens, I think you can do that, even if they're being paid minimum wage or a little bit more than a minimum wage. There are things you can do to keep a team happy. And those are the kinds of things I think would definitely work. When you go shopping, what other stores impress you with their customer service? Who else is doing it right? You know, that's a hard one these days. I mean, I think some of the some of the larger stores have lost some of their their um, personal service. That's what we hear from customers. That's one of the reasons why our first-time customers, candidly, are growing much more dramatically in terms of numbers and dollars than they have you know, over the years. 
Um, but I think some of the other people, you know, you take, I mean, I think Nordstrom still does a very good job. But I think, again, it's harder when you have the big stores and you have many different big stores to give that one-on-one service. And they become very corporate rather than than, than family-oriented. Um, but I think, you know, let's just take another one. I mean, I think Starbucks is, is trying to do that. And I think they've done, in many different of their stores, have done a reasonably good job. Um, I also think that you know people like Southwest Airlines do a very good job of trying to keep make sure that you feel good when you enter the plane and when you get off the plane and so forth and little things that they try to do. But I, I, I it's it's a rare. I, I, I don't think there are that many people that are really. I mean, I mean, some of the brokerage firms are trying to do that. Obviously, I mean, as I think you know, I do motivational speaking. I've done done a number of things. Right now, I'm working um, doing motivational speaking for Merrill Lynch, and I think that you know we're trying to give. They're trying to give the whole hugging culture, keep, keeping that that personalization with their with their sales associates and their and their wealth managers. And other brokerage firms are trying to do the same thing because they're competing. You know, with people that are that that give services perhaps for less, like like Amazon does, and some of the um, than some of the big department stores. He's the chairman of Mitchell Stores, one of the most successful small businesses in the nation, known for bringing a warm human touch to the often cold bottom line world of business. His philosophy of customer service can be found in the most recent of his three books, Selling the Hug Your Customer's Way, The Proven Process for Becoming a Passionate and Successful Salesperson for Life. Jack Mitchell, thanks for joining us. By the way, if you have comments about the program or ideas for topics, email me at a closer look at Bloomberg.net. That's a closer look, one word, at Bloomberg.net. And follow me on Twitter, at Arthur Levitt, one word. This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt.